This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week for episode 378 of this forever running show, two real housewives of the local comic shop, Zach McCrary. What's happening? And Kara Shamborski. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. And double thank you to Zach, one of our newest IRCB regulars. Welcome to the show, Zach. Could you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself and what you do outside of this here podcast? Outside of this here podcast, I do way too many other podcasts. I, <laughs> I, I'm a co-host of TFD Nerdcast. It's just kind of a general nerd culture uh, show. I do the comics that we love, which is like my my baby, where we do deep dives into books, talk about why they're great. And uh, also comics and beer, which is not safe for work. And <laughs> it's just two guys having kind of bar talk about comics and drinking really delicious brews. Amazing. Amazing. You know, and I will say the comics that we love, I was a guest at one point. Paul yes. was very recently a guest talking about Love and Rockets. Um, it's a really fun show. I highly recommend all the stuff that Zach's doing, but the comics that we love is the best because it's had me and Paul on it. Oh. But <laughs> I very much would like to come on this comics and beer podcast. I know you and I have talked about it a little bit, but this, it sounds like a raucous bunch of fun. So super excited to have you here on I Read Comic Books, and I'm ready to talk about comic books in general. Um, one last thing I should say, shout out to our latest patron, Matt, you're a fantastic human being. Thank Thank you so much for joining. Very much looking forward to the commission episode that you set up. Uh, that's coming a little bit later this year, which is a big one. We were talking about it in, in the IRCB, like secret chat that we have for just the folks on here. And uh, it's going to be a big one. Tia was very involved in some of the po talking points, uh, which means that, you know, it's going to be a really good episode. So let's get into things. I've got two legally mandated questions that I have to ask, and that's how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's just uh, kick it off with you, Zach. Uh Life's been pretty good. I got to say it's one of it's one of those things where everything is is going it's going right and and because I'm a pessimist I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, no, you know. Relatable. <laughs> no, 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 we don't we don't support that here. <laughs> it's like, you know that that everything's coming up Millhouse, but everybody forgets what happens to Millhouse by the end of that episode. But yeah. But yeah, everything's going great. It's been a it's been a fun week. Uh I'm kind of in between needing to read stuff for the show, so I got to catch up on like my, my huge stack of books that i've been meaning to get to so it's been a lot of fun it's been a good time that's awesome that's awesome what have you been reading oh man so let's see uh some of the books that we'll be talking about later on this show but also let's see i read uh indigo children the the first like three uh, three or four of those um that was a really fun read uh i caught up on the forged the um, nice. Greg Rucka book, man, I'm really digging that one. I'm a I'm a mech kid. I was a BattleTech kid, and uh, so I have fun with that. Uh, Peacemaker tries hard um, yeah. because you know Kyle Starks. I'll I'll read anything from that dude. There's a book called Monomyth out of Dark Horse that I started. That's mm -hmm. kind of like a fantasy horror kind of vibe. It's like Squid Game meets Saw meets Harry Potter in a weird way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, I'm just all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. It's been fun. Nice. Very nice. Well, well, let's let's just dive into some of the books that we read this week, I guess, to talk about them. Um, you've got some some books on your list, the Dead Romans one through four, I guess you want to dig it walk us through that a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that book. I read the first issue while I was still on my my trip abroad in Vietnam. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to continue with this one. So Dead Romans, it's uh, it's through Image Comics Shadowline. Uh, it's written by Fred Ty Kennedy, illustrated by Nick Marinkovich. 
And it's like it's a loose retelling of the Battle of Teutoborg Forest. It's a huge okay. Roman defeat led by Arminius, who was a Germanic prince who was raised in Rome and therefore knew how the Romans worked. And he took that home with him to basically be like, we don't really we don't want you here and I'm going to help make sure that you go away forever. And it and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a really, really fun book. Uh, gorgeous painted panels. An interesting story about the, the the battling the might of Rome, and there's also this love story angle that was that is completely fictional for the story that that I find really fascinating between Arminius and this slave girl named Honoria, and uh, and because his intentions with her are, I'm going to raise you up to be my queen, but is she loyal to Rome? Is she loyal to Arminius? It's kind of still up in the air, and I'm it's. It's also, really good. She's a slave. Yeah, I was gonna so say has like, no age. like what? Like what? Yeah, well, yeah, she's she's kind of a badass. I'm though. a slave, I, I, yeah. and I'm gonna be queen one day because this dude is grooming me to listen to his every whim. <laughs> and fuck off. <laughs> and he never tells her that's his plan. Like she doesn't no, know anything that he's trash. doing. This so man I, is trash. So I'm very excited to hear about the inevitable betrayal at the end of this. But well, you know, I guess we'll I hope she coming. rips okay. his heart out, Kali Ma style. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Listen, this guy's just retelling history. Carrie's inserting some fiction, but it's just history. Okay? No. <laughs> Kidding. Get out of here Kidding. with that Game of Thrones shit. Stop it. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, is in, uh, Wikipedia did not say anything about heart ripping out of Arminius. So, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in, you have to let us know, I guess, how this wraps up in the future, um, if it wraps yeah. up well or not. But, Kara, I guess let's jump over to you. How have you been? How have comic books been? What have you been reading? Oh, my God. Mike, it finally happened. It happened? I had to stop reading a book that I started. This <gasps> kills me as a completionist. No. But for once, for the first time in a long time, I had to stop reading a comic book because it was just so disappointing. As you know, I saw the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> And mm -hmm. I really wanted to read more Spider-Man comics. And specifically, I wanted to read more comics about Hobie because Spider-Punk was one of the best parts of the film. Absolutely. No, no spoilers. That's just canon fact. And so <laughs> I started. So I uh, saw that there was a whole book about Spider-Punk. Spider-Punk Battle of the Band. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Which came out last year from Marvel, I think, as single issues and then they made it um, a more recent trade paperback. And like, clearly this is supposed to be a film tie in and be like, oh, you saw the movie. You want to read more Spider-Punk? Here's more Spider-Punk. No, don't fall for it. <laughs> False. Oh, no. So it's just OK. So the thing that I really liked about the character of Hobie is like. Just from him talking, you had a full sense of his identity and sense of place and the way he moved in the world and what his ideals yeah. were. And all of that came from dialogue. It was mm -hmm. great writing, great acting. I didn't realize that was Daniel Kaluuya. Like, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, so this book is not that. This book, within no. pages, the dialogue was so clearly not up to the level of the film that I had to stop. Because Hobie, the dialogue that they gave Hobie was very, well, like, what about this laser gun? Like... He had the word like with commas around yeah. it in his dialogue, as opposed to the intricate, 
like cockney slang riffs that they were doing in the film mm-hmm. they just put the word like in the middle of his sentences and i'm like look i just did it i just did that that's what that sounds like <laughs> that's not spider punk get out of sure. here and like i kind of wanted to keep reading because there was a captain anarchy who was like a seemed to be like a gay native american riff off captain america and i was like here for that but okay not enough to suffer through like hobie like oh man and i use i love the word like as a filler word i love that but for hobie it doesn't i had to stop so instead i went on wikipedia and (laughs) said wikipedia where do i find the spider punk and that's when i learned that spider punk is new circa 2015 Mm -hmm. from the spider verse event which i did not read when it was coming out so i was like all right let me start reading spider verse first of all this is why comics are dumb. You know, like comics are so <laughs> yeah. obnoxious. Do you know how many books I had to download before I realized that I found the correct Amazing Spider-Man number 10 by Dan Slott? Dan Slott has written too many Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. number 10. Right. Why? Stop renumbering. This is why people hate you. Like Marvel just loves renumbering. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I, no, this, it makes it hard to find what you're trying to find. And that is a bad user experience. And unless you are committed to finding it, which most people are going to tap out. And I get it. I almost tapped out when I realized I was reading something else entirely about Scorpion or Scorpio. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. Scorpio. I, Scorpio. I don't even know. So that was a different series. Lit anyway. So I found the Spider Verse series and started reading it, and I did not get to Spider Punk yet because I am too enraptured with the Volturi making an appearance. For the five of you who haven't seen Twilight, the Volturi are like the elite vampire coven that rules all the other vampire covens, and they're like fussy and elitist, and it's that like picture of. I can't remember his name with like the the longer hair, like like looking down on the peasants from a balcony that you've seen memed everywhere. That's the Volturi. Yeah. That's the villains in the Spider-Verse book. I didn't realize it. No. But they go through the, the multiverse eating <laughs> spiders on their like opulent banquet table. And I was not expecting to see the Volturi around these like spiders trussed up to eat on their fancy banquet table with like family politics it's like the medicis in here except they're all going through these like golden webs and all the spider-men are assembling with no context or background whatsoever and i was like comics yeah oh my god (laughs) i was reading I feel like now you have to like do a double down deep dive of the entire Spider-Verse event just so that you can I'm fully st- flesh out how these Volturi came to be and what their place like, is in the greater Twilight expanded vol- universe. Volturi that eat spiders. That's all I need. This is why it's like this book fits with our episode theme very nicely. It's so dumb. They're made and it's so 2015. They made a Benedict Cumberbatch joke. Um, there was like an image of Peter waking up in bed shirtless with like the sheets riding low on his hips and the caption for the page was don't look at Peter's butt. And I was like, well, I wasn't before, but now I am. Thanks. <laughs> like, why tell me not to oogle it? If you're just going to like put it, you can see his like lower, lower back dimples and everything like that. And then they go right from that to silk showing up. And like, I read the silk comics in 2015. I was reading spider Gwen and spider woman. 
-hmm. was not reading the main spider books and like clearly i missed the part where silk and peter are horny for each other because reasons and so it's like you they go from don't look at peter's butt to like two panels later silk showing up and peter being like oh no we're horny for each other because we have spider hormones and like we just need to have sex but we're not going to because i'm stronger than that and i was like a man wrote this and also we're halfway to a romance novel here and dan slot was definitely reading pornographic fan fiction in 2015 because that's where this comes from like <laughs> so and it's like if this was done, if you gave this to a romance author who is like an established writer, they they have to have sex because reasons is one of like the tropes that you can run with. We are mm -hmm. already halfway to a like adult romance novel with this. But instead, we get Silk like writhing around on Peter's bed with like her legs open in various angles and she's like peter and you're like oh oh a Wait. man drew this oh, oh no my. oh my oh, Bro, this is this is real carrie you're telling you this isn't made up you're not this just is pulling our the chains first here. issue of spider verse and it's just it's so problematic that they're just sexualizing silk because she's an asian woman and if marvel if you look at just disproportionate sexual objectification of asian women and mm. instead of like if this was like done by like probably a female romance writer they they wouldn't have done the whole like and then silk was writhing around on his bed but he was the strong white man who could say no and he has a job to do and me 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 and it would have been like more even but because like this dude artist was drawing this Asian woman with like her legs open being like, Oh, we're, you know, we can't, we're so attracted to each other. You need to leave the city. I was like, Oh <laughs> my God, what editor looked at this and said, mm, yeah, let's do that. And then they go into spider verse. So I'm like, all right, so this book has everything. We've got Volturi. They're eating Spider-Man trussed up like chickens on their table. We've got <laughs> Spider-Man and Silk being horny for each other. We have a million Spider-Man and it doesn't matter because you have your little, box telling you where they're from and they have to save the multiverse peter and peter's like i guess and i'm like yes this is comics this is great this is just this is okay Amazing. we're fine i have not to hobie yet but i have hope that the rest of the book will make me want to continue reading spider-verse because everything so far is killer it's like this is what great event books too they're really dumb and they're fun in weird ways like most event books i'm just like why do I have to know so many things for something to happen and be negated a few issues later? And instead I get Spider-Verse and I'm going to keep reading because I am delighted by the insanity I've encountered so far. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I don't know how to follow all of that. Kara. No, I'm you just got to start rereading Spider-Verse and be like, oh yeah, Kara was right. This is halfway, this is halfway, halfway to sex. They are halfway to sex in this children's graphic novel. <laughs> I can't even, say, can't even uh, say, think of the children. <laughs> I remember I remember when Silk first appeared and it was within like the first issue of her appearing that they were just bumping uglies and they just explained it away as spider hormones basically that they because, because of reasons their... they have to have yeah. sex. <laughs> yeah. I tell you this is romance tropes. Oh bro. It was like who are you? Who are you? I'm me. You uh you smell real nice and then it just kind of goes, you know. <laughs> Yeah, now you can try to top that, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll try my best to, I guess, top things. I don't know if I can with that 
Spider-Man discussion. Good luck. Um, but I did read, uh, I want to talk about two books really quick, and then we're going to jump back to another book that, that Zach read. But um, I read In Hell We Fight, number one. This is by John Lehman and Jock, J-O-K, not J-O-C-K, different Jock, mm. which I think is maybe the most confusing thing that Image Comics has ever done. <laughs> but I can't blame the artists. I can't blame anybody. It's just how things are. So it's John Lehman and Jock, J-O-K. Uh, this is like a really kind of goofy story about people in hell, like souls in hell who are desperately trying to get ice cream. Which sounds like the, a really goofy concept, and that's because it is. Um, <laughs> and the uh, it's really funky because like John Layman apparently wrote this book in the middle of like the pandemic. He was trying to like write something that was a little bit optimistic and kind of fun, um, versus I think a lot of gritty, gr- you know, grimy stuff that kind of came out of the, that time being in lockdown. Um, and he worked on this book and. So the the opening bit of this book is we get to meet our main characters. We've got uh, a kid who was drowned when he was alive. Um, And so he like is this kind of bloated corpse who can puke up anything for some reason um, that comes with a bunch of seawater or lake water. I don't remember. Uh, And there's a kid who was killed with an axe to the back of his head. So he can just infinitely pull axes out of the back of his head because every time he (laughs) removes one, a new one shows up. And then we have another. Is it is the axe like sticking out of the back of his head? Oh, yeah. The axe is just sticking out. So it's like a prop, like like a replenishing prop. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's hell. I love that. Continue. (laughs) It's, it's really funny and it gets used to its fullest extent mm. in the first issue, which is amazing. Uh, and then there's another woman who's kind of like the leader of this little roving gang of, of weirdos. Uh, we don't completely know what her powers are yet, but uh, I think we're going to find out as the story continues. And then a little demon who lives in hell who just wants to hang out with these other kids. Um, it's kind of adorable. Like this book feels really dark on the surface but it's really funny it's just full of jokes and goofy stuff um and so these kids are trying to get ice cream in hell and they discover something significantly more interesting when they knock over a truck um so pretty fun little book uh the lettering is kind of bonkers john layman if you if you've read layman's books before specifically chew and then the second book chew and <laughs> outer darkness um like chew c-h-e-w and then the sequel series chew c-h-u oh. um <laughs> in the same universe <laughs> um they're uh, all lettered by John Layman and Layman does a very interesting thing um, in his lettering. That's where you get all of the fun little word bubbles that look like they're frozen or on fire with the special fonts mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think Layman really, really cares about lettering because as it turns out, he used to be a letterer for years before he started writing comics, which is why he letters his own books, um, I think. And uh, yeah, so it's a really interesting, fun book. The lettering's kind of bonkers. He does some really funky stuff with it in this book that I liked. And uh, yeah, pretty fun little book if you're if you're looking for something new to try from Image Comics. Um, the other book uh, that's in Hell We Fight number one for anyone asking. Uh, the other book that I read is The Incredible Hulk 2023 number one. Another Hulk number one in the last <laughs> five or six years. Why? This Why? is just for Danny. I, I just want to because Danny Donny Cates ended his run and somebody else needed to take over a Hulk book. There has to uh, be this is fil- there has to be a better way to renumber comics. This is a different episode, but I know, I know. It's a it's a totally different episode altogether because we were just complaining about this and it's fine. We'll we'll get it we'll get we'll get it on the books for the future. But this is Philip Kennedy Johnson with Nick Klein on pencils, um, and Matt Wilson on colors, you know, the wonderful Matt Wilson. And uh 
ultimately this book is ridiculous it's the wake the awakening of the monsters and hulk is like the ultimate monster and so all these monsters from beneath the earth are coming back to life and they need to get the hulk because he's like the most powerful there is and they want his skin or something um it's kind of gross but really fun and it's philip kennedy johnson so like he knows how to write a really good story like overall like his books have really good beats to them this first issue had a really good beat system like it felt like it was on pace and i was kind of surprised when i came to the end because it's so well done in that regard Mm. the the concept is goofy the the monster i don't want to say queen she's like the monster eldest she's the eldest daughter of the the queen of horrors as they call it um and she awakens all of the monsters in the marvel universe to go hunt the hulk that's essentially what the story is um i'm very excited because man thing is in it and that's really fun (laughs) hell yeah Uh, and i think son of satan is also going to be in this which i'm like every single time someone's like let's do something weird they pull in son of satan and i'm on board for that too so um hellstrom doesn't get much play anywhere really that's the thing he always shows up randomly and then i think everybody who's reading goes why is he even here and then he disappears (laughs) from the comic this one i'm sure that johnson will find a way to rope it in to make have it make sense as a monstrous character but uh yeah really fun little book i am just hung up on you saying that this is like an eldest daughter situation because i have Mm -hmm. been reading and feeling feeling seen by a lot of eldest daughter memes on the internet so the second you were like ah this (laughs) eldest daughter unleashed all the monsters and i was like "Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm." (laughs) you know how else we can resolve that therapy maybe (laughs) but monsters sounds cathartic too (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i don't know it's it's a goofy concept for a book It, it feels very like 70s comics where you're like we don't need to really explain why this is happening it's just happening sure. um, like kind of situation yeah like <laughs> um so yeah it was it was really fun the other book that i was going to talk about but i already did an entirely different podcast for which is um ultimate invasion was my pick of the week last week um i went and chat with chatted with danny and a couple other folks about this book for about an hour on friday so if you're looking for that go check it out on the next issue podcast youtube channel um it was a really really fun time um i was a little drunk but somebody said that i was very professional so maybe i should Great. drink more often i don't know um that's not an endorsement don't don't just drink for fun uh well never mind never mind let's move on Uh, be professional apparently um, (laughs) don't drink to be professional zach did you did you read anything else you want to talk about before i i talk myself further into a hole yeah man and man i now i feel like i'm gonna bring the house down like this has been really jovial and fun and i'm gonna talk Mm -hmm. about some some like heavy stuff because like trigger warning the book that i'm about to talk about does deal with uh someone dying of like or in the process of dying from cancer it was mm. a, a something epic by Simon Kudransky, and he wrote and illustrated it, as well as he translated it himself with aid from Adam Morwill, letters from DC Hopkins. This book is just absolutely gorgeous. It's yeah, it's so gorgeous, starkly drawn, like the line between realism and fantasy with uh, like the story of this this main character being this very grounded and drawn very realistically in his world and the colors are a bit more dark and you know and withdrawn but then at the same time he is able to see these various things like cartoons and pulpy comics characters and manga characters and pixelated video games and it feels like the vibe is that whatever we create with our imaginations does pop into existence like a like a talpa basically but that yeah. normal like people can't see it 
but this kid somehow is able to and he, it's just part of his normal life like he doesn't react to it mostly like sometimes he does but he doesn't interact with it really you know and like it's just the way he's used to living and uh i mean it's a very heavy story because at, at the core it is this little boy who it, who is with a single mother and is watching her die of cancer and and mm-hmm. uh and dealing with the loneliness of of feeling different and, and you know and being kind of secluded the the use of magical realism is just fantastic i love magical realism when crazy bombastic stuff happens but you know and to us it's nuts but to the characters in the book it's just normal like yeah there is a scene where uh, a crazy dragon ball z looking manga character is fighting this weird superhero with a horn in the middle of his head i think he was called the the texas horn and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they're fighting <laughs> and they smash into the kid's aunt's car and just decimate the front of it and and then they fly off and continue their battle and his aunt comes out and the kid's just like uh the tree limbs the tree fell on your car and that's what happened and then and she just accepts it and is just, you know, and she's just like, well, thank God that thing is insured and they move and the story moves on, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. But it's it's a it's a really heartfelt book. It really hit me deep. Like, honestly, it could be, being a kid who went through what that kid went through, like it hits me on a level different, I guess. But uh, totally like the story itself is just I, I'm, I'm enjoying where it's going because I'm not entirely sure yet, like what the something epic is you know it's really taking its time and building towards that and i really appreciate that and uh and i'm just loving all the ridiculous crap that kudransky is throwing in with pixelated ninjas and there's a vampire cat (laughs) like a cartoon vampire cat and i love i love it it's it's a it's a really interesting book yeah this is the pick of this is my top of my pile i should say um a couple weeks ago and i was really floored by the amount of insane stuff that was packed into this one book and i'm very yeah. much hoping that kredansky can keep this up on a monthly pace to just like get the book out so that we can experience the really insane story that he's got for this kid uh, obviously there is this this darker um sad tone that kind of runs to the core of it but i think everything else to this book it like blows my mind that one person is capable of all of these different styles in one book so many different like, styles it very, yeah. very much reminds me of like the way that marco rudy approaches his books where like each page is just littered with different painterly styles left mm-hmm. and right and pencils and some pages are ink some of them are watercolors it's like how much time did it take you to do just this one page you know that's that's where i'm at with this book just it's an impressive feat of artistry it is and i i do think that i think that it's going to take on a very different feel as we go on because i feel like like there's there's a, a character who's been sort of introduced and i feel like we're on the cusp of that character opening a whole new world for this kid and, mm-hmm. and we're gonna see a lot of crazy stuff happening i'm i'm excited to see it yeah i i think i missed the second issue of this i'm gonna have to catch up what am i doing with my time oh it's a good read it's a good read i don't know well something epic i mean if you're if you're interested but i guess let me let me talk about one more book before we get into the top of our pile um i just want to mention um the best sci-fi book that's being published right now period i don't care who you are this is the best sci-fi book uh time before time number 24 dropped very recently i think this past week this is rory mcconville and declan shelby on writing art by jorge coelho colors by chris o'halloran and letters by hassan otsmani elhow this is a five-star comic period this is probably one of the best books i've read 
like single issues I've read in the last year. Um, time Before Time, if you don't know, is a story about time travel. And it's a story about a guy who's basically trying to get out of working for this crime syndicate that uses time travel to move people across time in order to save them or and puts them in severe debt and all these other things um, that could do, you could do with crime and time travel. But there's one thing that you can't do. And I think it comes across in every single time travel story you read, which is affect your own time, right? Your own storyline, right? With with knowledge. And there's a there's still a question of like, how would you know if you're affecting your own timeline? But like beyond that, this issue is specifically about that um, because every once in a while, time before time does these one offs that like fleshes out the world, destroys your heart, reminds you why this is the best sci fi comic being published today. And um, ultimately, this is an issue about. What if you try to change your past? Something bad happens to somebody, they try to go back in time, and we find out why you can't do that. Now, that's kind of a spoiler for the issue, but ultimately the way that they do this is super heart-wrenching. It's It breaks your heart. The guy that, there's just so many things that happen in this issue that I'm like, this is why it's the best. Um, it, it, it's funny though, because 24 issues in, and we finally get to this question being answered, it's been kind of, tucked away and not really talked about it's just a thing you can't do it very much reminds me of looper i don't know if you, there was a moment in looper where bruce willis is talking to uh, uh what's his name joseph gordon levitt the younger version of himself and they're like how is this happening he's like let's not think about it that's kind of the way that, that this book has approached those those paradoxical things in time travel and this issue explicitly gets down to that and i think the answer that they give is stupendous it's probably one of my favorite moments that's happened in this book and there have been some incredible moments so um i don't know at, at this point i'm at a at a point in my head where i don't care where things go in this series as long as the story continues to keep me interested with issues like this um it, it continues to knock me upside the head with like things that i want answered and then when they do answer them they are the most interesting answer they could have given so um yeah this is why this is easily one of my top comics on the shelves right now um it's a book that i will uh basically die for uh, it's one it's, it's really it's like that department of truth like you can't get me off this image boat they're publishing two of the best comics in the market as far as i'm concerned so wow uh, that's time before time I'm 24 i just yeah. i know <laughs> i am I know. ready I'm to read gonna have to go buy this same. book is all i'm saying um Anyways, all right, well, let's let's move on to uh, bigger and brighter things, I guess. Let's talk about books that are on the top of your pile, comics that are new or old or just things you're trying to get off your shelf. Um, let's uh, let's move back over to you, Kara. What's on the top of your pile this week? Oh, wow. I forgot about I I have a copy of Cosmo Nights. I have a copy of Cosmo Nights Volume 1 on my bookcase. Yes. And when I read it, I was like, this is amazing. This is one of the best comics I've read in like the last decade i love it so much and then i promptly forgot about it and so the other of day <laughs> i was like oh there's volume two go on so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so top of my pile is rereading cosmo nights volume one um i don't remember the intricacies of the plot i remember the art being fun neon mod like modern we're in space we're like a bunch of gay lady pilots in mech suits smashing the patriarchy i'm like that's all i need we're good i'm done okay i don't need it <laughs> i don't like need additional time. information i'm glad the art is good i'm glad the page layouts are interesting and not interesting for the sake of being interesting but interesting in a way of moving the story along and i would like to continue with this story please so volume two and then slightly cheating but because i said max i was like mm, robots 
Robots in disguise. <laughs> Transformers. <laughs> uh, the, this this week in the uh, uh, ominously titled Secret Chat, which said uh-huh. the, the IRCB like, group text, Nick told us all that Skybound was doing a new Transformers series and they were doing like a slow reveal of the cover of like, which Transformers are going to be in our book? And it was a very <laughs> oh fun God. game. And it was like my brain just like slowly leaking out of my ears in the chat because I have such a bright gleam in my heart for G1 Transformers because cast your mind back to 2007 and the Michael Bay Transformers movie. I was obsessed with that movie. I cannot (laughs) tell you how many times I watched that film. I picked Uh up, I like went on a date because I ended up talking to a friend of a friend in a bar and we were like geeking out over which score titles were our favorite ones from the movie score because you know what that score is a good score okay so (laughs) anyway I got so because of that film I got really into Transformers but I would like to clarify that I know the Transformers almost exclusively through Transformers fan fiction because G1 Transformers (laughs) fan fiction writers are like so good at what they do that like I don't need to watch I I started watching the cartoon but frankly the the fic writers are doing a much better job of creating the kind of camaraderie (laughs) and shared experiences that are delightful to read about it felt like it like the fan fiction that I was reading at that time felt a lot like the way the Teen Titans TV show made me feel where you're just like, I just want to watch these like when they're not fighting. I just want to like hang out with these people on their downtime on their couch playing video games and stuff. And like that was the vibe. Anyway, so I I love the G1 Transformers because of this particular experience. And so the this new um, Transformers series from Skybound that I think is coming out in October, we said. So it's like yeah, it's, still it's later, still yeah. down 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 the path. Um happy Halloween to us all. <laughs> just like the lineup of the the G1 Autobots that were on that cover, I was like, "Hell yeah, Optimus Prime. Hell yeah, Wheeljack, Cliff Jumper, Ratchet, RC. Okay, <laughs> sure. Yes, take my money. <laughs> I'm going to have to find a comic <laughs> shop, damn. Okay. Uh-huh. Um uh-huh. so very excited about that even though it's several months down the line. So in the meantime, I am now inspired to revisit some other Transformers comics. TBD on which ones those will be, but I just wanted to let everyone know that you should, we should all pre-order this Transformers book, so it keeps going. Thanks. Transformers versus G.I. Joe is a pretty wild and crazy time. I'm just going to say I that we covered that it. I do that one. <laughs> we covered it extensively on the show way back in the day, and I think it would be hilarious to revisit time that. Time to if revisit. Only because it's insane. It's absolutely insane from start to finish. Um, but yeah, Cosmonites... <laughs> Volume one and two. I'm also excited about. I, I will say your your forgetting about Cosmonites is totally understandable because the first volume did come out in 2019 mm. and it is the year 2023. Mm. So like it's been a minute. That being said, the creator on that book has been publishing it like page by page on their website, so you can read a lot of it online, mm. um, especially volume one. Um, but yeah, since they're doing it like page by page and kind of taking their time with it, totally understandable yeah. for it there to be like a four year gap, like. You got to live your life. I totally yeah. understand. Also, that. you know, some things were happening between 2019 and 2023. Yeah, did, did something strange, stuff crazy happened, happened during that time. Know, it was know. different. It feels like it was a different time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh, anyways, Zach, <laughs> what's on the top of your pile this week? Uh, I am looking forward to reading Spirit World numbers one and two from DC Comics, uh, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Heining. 
colors by Sebastian Chang and letters by Janice Chang. Uh, it's coming out of the, that Lazarus, uh, Lazarus planet, dark fate was where like the, the sprinkling of this story kind of starts and they're, they're just kind of expounding upon it in its own book. It's part of DC's. We are legends initiative focusing on Asian heroes from Asian creators, which I dig, uh, the new hero's name is Xanth and can venture into the spirit world at will, can burn items folded from Joss paper and immediately turn them into real objects. So like Joss paper is a thing out of East Asian uh, practices of burning this paper at graveyards in order to send resources to ancestors in the spirit world. Gotcha. Except Xanth can do the reverse and be like, got a paper sword. Boom. Got a giant broadsword now. And that is their favorite weapon as well as a giant okay. broadsword from what I've seen. And uh, they they wind up teaming up with Constantine to save Batgirl Cass Kane, for, who's been dragged into the spirit world by Chinese hopping vampires. Yeah, it's a it. I, I'm wait. excited about it because wait, wait, hopping wait. vampires. Wait. Yeah, Did I hear that right? It's, yeah, it's a, You're it's way a, too it's casual a Chinese about this. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah it's like well, this is this is normal fare right it's now guys, it's easy, just, right this is hopping vampires you know i'm hung up on the broadsword thing because i'm in my brain is instantly going that's heavy can they is part of the power that they are magically able to lift and wield any of the things that the paper can generate because broads broadswords heavy those things are heavy they're big. They are They're big. superheroes. Come on. They exactly. can do whatever they want. Uh, not yeah. the Bat family. Like, limitations. <laughs> Their superpower well, is why money. Why do you think Cassandra Cain needs to be saved, clearly? Uh. Yeah, she couldn't deal with the hopping vampires, so so Xantha has to come in and take care of that, because they can carry a big broadsword with, with no guess. problems. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I'm I'm digging this. I I uh the whole We Are Legends campaign that they're doing I think is really mm -hmm. cool. My uh my soon to be stepson is Vietnamese and all of his favorite heroes are just the typical white dudes and oh, sure. and so I think it's cool that in this modern era of comics we're getting so many more new and interesting Asian characters. We were just talking about uh, Silk earlier, for instance. Right. I don't you know, think Silk I, is a great example of this. If the meta writing hurts, <laughs> <laughs> at times, <laughs> at times, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the big two. It's hit or miss. But I just think it's cool that there are more coming into the the superhero realm that he'll be able to see. You know, that are more like him. Yeah, yeah. It's the big two. It's hit or miss. Might as well be the anthem of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of every comics podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you solely focus on Marvel or DC and are getting paid by them. Right, Basically, right, right, it's, right. yeah. We are not getting paid by Marvel or DC. We we lost that a long time ago. Uh, the opportunity. Marvel won't even um, let us onto their PR list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Um one one question I have for you, Zach. Have mm -hmm. you, did you read the um Iron Fist that came out pretty recently? The like little mini series that came out where the, they like the where mantle was handed the over? New, I did yeah. not. I, I wanted to wait until it was completed. I assume it's completed. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to get that, that one. It was a pretty good read. I, I mean I'm a I'm a sucker for Iron Fist, like blame Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker for making <laughs> me just love the lore, but like I love the new take on that character. It was really, really fun. Oh, um good. so I think you'd like that. Since I think it's a... Uh, I think his Chinese American guy takes over the mantle um, and then has to like go to across the, the world to basically uh, interact with all these other like uh, Asian country based heroes in order to find pieces and solve a problem. I won't spoil it, but it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, as he's learning like the mantle of the iron fist. It's, it's pretty good. That makes me um, happy. I was really worried it was going to wind up being Shang-Chi and that they were just going to be like, Hey, we got an Asian 
put him in there. Like, I'm <laughs> no, no, glad no. that they no, actually like have a whole new character. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of characters. Like there's a yeah. I will. I'll let you experience it. It's cool. really really fun. I think you'll dig it. Uh, but let me let me talk about a book. Or before I get into my book, uh, we got some folks hanging out with us on Discord uh, that have some picks. Danny is reading the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. This is the new James Tinian joint. I think this is a like two or three issue series, something like that. I read some of it on Substack. Danny, you'll let me know what you think because uh, I got some thoughts. Uh, Hugh is reading Indigo Children number four. Loving this series. Glad that, that someone else is reading it. Um, Paul G is reading Kent State, Four Dead in Ohio, uh, which is they're reading for uh, the Book of the Month Challenge on Goodreads. Um, that is a heavy book, but boy, oh boy, it's good. I cried at the end of it. It's amazing. Amazing book. Um, uh, Durf back Durf does a, a stupendous job just like portraying a very terrible thing that happened. Uh, and in, in with, with as much like, I don't know, honor to the people that it affected as, as possible. Like he, he's a fantastic storyteller, um, of, of, fic, of nonfiction things. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend that book if you haven't given it a chance, but it is, it is capital H heavy. Um, but let me talk about a book that I'm excited for. Uh, this is called River's Edge by Kyoko Okazaki. Uh, from renowned author Kyoko Okazaki, the creator of Helter Skelter and Pink, comes a story of adolescence filled with friendship, drama, intertwined relationships of six high school friends. Decaying secrets are revealed as they forge friendships from pain, find betrayal and pleasure, and stare into each other, stare into the face of death itself in a field of gold by a stagnant river under the smoke-filled skies. Um, I don't know if anybody if that sounds interesting to anybody else but this book to me sounds like it's going to devastate me and be the funniest book i've read at the same time um kyoko okazaki's books pink and helter skelter that they called out in the synopsis here um are two books that like are in this different style of of manga that i didn't know was possible it's like really weird eclectic like uh josai manga that really like plays with the idea of like what makes a comics like what makes comics think i don't know I read, yeah it, the, i read those, pink pink was yeah pink pink is amazing pink was like you know it's uh, the 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 genre of manga that you're talking about is like targeted towards um i think it's like officially like middle-aged women but i think it's like women yeah. over 30 <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ah. but um pink is like oh our protagonist it has a pet alligator in her apartment and she's got to like figure out her life and i'm like okay okay more more stories about um people who aren't teenagers i guess for most of us who aren't teenagers but still want to have adventures thank you so definitely uh enjoyed that one so um delighted to hear that there is another intriguing work by that author happening yeah i'm i'm super hyped for this um and it's got a cover by becky clunan which i think is really cool um I, i'm very excited to be to have this like weird slice of life thing that's probably going to be strangely horny um, <laughs> on my shelf. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes, um, but I will report back. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about our quote unquote comic book guilty pleasures, if that's even a thing anymore in this year, 2023. So uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk about that. our show this week we are talking about comic book guilty pleasures in parentheses revisited and i say that because apparently the last time we talked about this was in 2016 on episode 73 which is crazy um 
if you want to listen to that episode, you actually have to be a patron because I, those episodes are lost to the ether. Otherwise, like I have copies. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, I can give you the RSS feed to subscribe to that. Um, but otherwise, that's just it's out in the ether. It was me and Paul and Nick way back in the day talking about our guilty pleasures. Um, so today we're going to take a slightly different approach. Zach came to me and said, Mike, next time I'm on the show, we're going to talk about guilty pleasures. I got some stuff I got to get off my chest. Uh, it's just been eating me up inside. That's, that's what you said, right, Zach? All day, every day. It's a uh, it is my my horsehair shirt to bear and uh yeah it's it's been killing me and i just need to get it out there yeah well good uh, it, uh, unfortunately uh kara wrote us an essay Hijacked. in our show notes uh and she objects so i guess kara i'm gonna pitch this over to you uh so we can talk about guilty pleasures and maybe why they're not a thing anymore yeah. oh. feed me your hate kara all right buckle up buttercups here we go <laughs> okay so um, the more I thought about this, the matter I get, because first of all, I resent the implication that you should feel guilty about the things that you like, especially because so many of the things that we do think of, or at least I think of when I think guilty pleasure, air quotes, tend to be things that are either considered like women's stuff, like gossip or reality TV that's centered around relationships and rich people being rich, like, um, the Kardashians like I went through I was so so long just like oh yeah the Kardashians are my guilty pleasure no I fucking love them they're terrible I love to, I want to watch all of the stuff I follow them on Instagram like oh my god more give me more not guilty I have so right I mean, and, like you don't feel guilty for enjoying the content they produce that yeah. you know is of a certain yeah. category yeah, right it's trash but like I want sure. more of it. It's very shiny. This, <laughs> this is something that Tia disagrees with me on because she grew up in L.A. and so understands that they are truly trash in the way that New Yorkers understand that Donald Trump is truly trash. Like, before, right, like nobody, right. <laughs> no, you really have to be like from the hometown to really understand why somebody shouldn't be paid attention to. But since I'm from right, a different right. coast, I'm like, oh, my God, B-roll of L.A. Thank you. Anyway, so I digress. <laughs> 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 or, or like um, guilty pleasures are like foods that we're quote unquote not supposed to eat. Like mm, if we eat some yeah. M&Ms or ice cream or like it's like but so much healthy food is out of reach. So it's like all of it's like tied up in our cultural obsession with being thin, which like also I think disproportionately affects like women. And it's like a commentary on like how women should be like looking and existing in the world. And it's like, am I feeling guilty for eating this burger or am I mad at the current state of the world for making the burger cheaper than getting and maintaining the ingredients for a salad that is also filling? Do I have time to make salad? Do I have energy? Anyway, so it's just comic. Let's, let's steer it back a little bit. Comics. Comics. Okay. So in comics, like does this, like what, what is it that I'm supposed to feel guilty about? It's like, am I supposed to only like stuff in the dude canon of like Watchmen and the Dark Knight Returns or just things that Alan Moore has written in general who that's like all in those like top comics that you have to read that as like a teen and college age woman I read because it was what I was supposed to read but I wasn't interested in it but it's like oh if you didn't read it you're not a real comics fan or like guilty for not liking stuff that's like of liking stuff that's outside that like more highbrow art or cartooning world that like drawn and quarterly sure. and fanographics published. So anyway, well, so let's assume, <laughs> yeah. let's assume that a guilty pleasure is like anything like lowbrow or commercial or something that a snob would scoff at. And I'm saying like a comic book snob. And I know listener, you have a mental image of this person. So what would that person think you're silly for reading? And also fuck that guy. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. Well, that's, and that's the thing is like, 
it, it's so funky this topic because uh and zach i really want to hear your thought on this because i know you want to talk about it and we are definitely not actually here to rag on you right oh, we're, no, no, no. we're yeah, trying yeah. to be totally open and accept of this because i think there is a thought right like you said fanographics drawn in quarterly and stuff i have a whole slew of megan mog comics on my shelf that are from fanographics and i will tell you that is not highbrow stuff <laughs> simon hanselman knows what they're doing with that book um in terms of like being gross for the sake of being gross because it's funny to them and they're hoping that other people find it to be funny right, right as but well. i mean like you can picture the person in your head who's like oh you read superhero comics sure you know? sure 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 so like that yeah, kind of that's thing. totally true like totally true so when i, I was thinking about what what do I love that the generic comic book snob in my head would hate? And it's sure. like yeah. the stupid comic book crossovers that only exist to make money. And I refuse to feel guilty about it. Like the only people who should feel guilty are the people reinforcing the economics of creators not getting paid appropriately for their work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. All right. So things like things that came to mind to me for like the Transformers, My Little Pony crossover. Oh, my God. The... Right. The Green Lantern Star Trek crossover where the lanterns oh, were doing their fun. rainbow lantern thing. And they were like, which Star Trek original series member would get which color ring? I'm like, yes. I am. I am so I'm trying so hard to not be mad about these picks right now. So let's just keep going. Kara. Just keep going. <laughs> I'm, I'm slowly becoming the comic book snob right now. <laughs> oh my God. Or like, OK, um, I, I still have not found this in digital. So if. Dear listener, you know where I can find this. Please tell me where I can find the Teen Titans X-Men one-shot from the 80s where Beast Boy and Kitty Pride flirt the whole time. Like, I know this book just exists to make money, but like, mm -hmm. hell yeah, hell yeah, I want to see the Teen Titans and X-Men team up in the 80s. Of course right. I want that. That seems like a natural, like, pairing. So yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, so like, those were things that came top of mind. Um, the like... I get a certain like feeling of childish glee when I'm reading a comic book and I'm like, yes, this is the comic book. Like, like that first issue of spider verse where I was like comics, everyone. <laughs> so, like, yeah. 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 You know, like yeah. anything IDW has published, basically anything Archie right. did in the sixties, the NASCAR Christmas mm -hmm. special we read a while back. <laughs> like, yeah. I would actually what? put, I would, Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to turn you on to an episode, Zach, and it's going to blow your mind. And yeah, I would I'm, actually, I'm I would actually put Once in Future in this category, the Kieran Gillen thing about like Arthurian lore, because even mm -hmm. though he's being a super nerd about it, that book is a comic book, man. Like you read that yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's resuscitated. He's glowing. He's got a sword. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm curious then, Zach, I guess when you, you know, approached me with this topic, I guess what kind of, what was going through your head in terms of like the type of books that you would put on this list and like, why do they feel like guilty pleasures to you? Uh, it's funny because like the idea of a guilty pleasure is is funny to me because I I tend to be the person who just unabashedly loves whatever they love and I could give a shit what you think about it. Like that's totally just, that's the way my brain works. Uh, but I, I think it's just the idea of the guilty pleasure, like the thing that is so close to you that you don't care, like. Like that that's a guilty pleasure to me is like you love it so much that it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks about it. That it is it's it's your thing and the the rest of the world kind of be damned. And uh 
and uh, things things like she was mentioning like the like crossovers like i love the he-man thundercats like that was Wait, the what that, the he-man what? thundercats no no yeah we're stopping right it's, now i'm going to read <laughs> stop recording right again now. today sorry you can come on the comics that we love we'll talk he-man thundercats no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like that kind of stuff is great you know it's it is it's sh- a schlocky good time and who cares that it's schlocky because it's fun because like you said it's comics, everybody, you know? Like, okay, but then why uh, is that guilty? Why is that your guilty pleasure? See, I don't, I don't, I think it's because that is just the term that is applied to it generally. Like, I don't really feel guilty about the things that I love. Like, for me, like the, one of my, what, what, what most people would consider a guilty pleasure for me is the Clone Saga. Because that thing takes nothing but crap from everybody. But sure. I do not care. It gave me my favorite character in comic books, period. It gave me Ben Riley, And I love the oh, story of... Oh, that's where Ben Riley's from. That's Ben Riley. That's oh! where Ben Riley's from. Yeah. Full circle. Okay. There yes, we go. Yes, yes. From last yeah. week when we talked about... Yeah, yeah. Andy Samberg did a fantastic job at Ben oh, Riley. I loved it. I hope, I I hope you agree so with much. that. <laughs> I mean, oh. It was a very different Ben Riley than I expected, but I sure did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I love the Clone Saga. Yes, clones have been done to death, and yes, maybe the big reveal of Norman Osborn not great, but I love the tale of figuring out, you know, who who they who you are through your memories, and are they your memories or are they not your memories? There was a lot of good stuff there, and the and the damn thing sold well. You know, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. kept going because it was making money. But uh, but see, now I'm just now I'm just uh defending it but see and there there it is it's the kind of thing where you love it so much that you can't help but defend it when other people want to take a crap on it like for me that's that's like a guilty pleasure and it's i guess there isn't any guilt it's just a pleasure really like when i break it down but But then there must be a feeling of guilt if you feel like you have to be defensive about it right Uh, i don't think it's guilt as much as like if if someone tried to attack my fiance i'm going to turn them into dust and and you know because i just love that person so like that's kind of the way i feel about this book like i love this book so much that the moment i hear someone talking trash it's it's you know it's on i can't help myself well i don't think i have quite so strong feelings about my next example but definitely one of my like quote-unquote guilty pleasures um you will tear garfield from my cold dead hands (laughs) like the garfield strips see but like (laughs) those are great I'm not gonna. I can't imagine a world where anybody's like, "Oh, you like Garfield?" Like, I hate Garfield. I've done that before. Like, really? Well, this person doesn't understand anything about comic books. Then they're idiots. (laughs) And I'm glad you don't associate with them, Kara. Yeah, Uh, just strike them from your life forever. Yeah, yeah. Anybody out there? I don't care if it's your mom or dad. Just strike them from your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no Garfield apologists here. Just Garfield assertionists. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. right. Yes, that's right. We live for the Garfield future. Garfield um. forever. No, but then I was thinking about like, okay, well, if I'm rejecting the like the general idea of something that's a guilty pleasure that we do have in society, and really make it like, what is something that I genuinely feel guilty about liking? And I keep coming back to like, what do I do? You know, with my shelf of harry potter books behind me what do i do with a creator who i either know or highly suspect is trash Mm. but i like their work like i remember reading planetary and having my mind blown and i really want to revisit it but i'm like oh but 
but Warren Ellis, like, what do I do? Do I enjoy the work? I know we've talked about death of the author to death on this show, but like, that's what I came back to for guilty pleasure. It's like, what do you do if you like something, but you know, the creator behind it is maybe not somebody that you would want to like financially support or like enjoy Like, what, what do I do with that? You know, in this, in like the modern era, I think maybe you just hit on what a guilty pleasure really is now. Yeah. Now that yeah. we ha- now that we are able to know the pieces of crap that some people just happen to be that make really good stuff. I, I had mm-hmm. the same thing happen. One of my favorite bands growing up, uh, the the guy who was like the heart of it was going to the Capitol and he was there and was on film, and I was like. Oh, I don't know what to do. I love all of these albums so much, (laughs) (laughs) but I hate this man now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like maybe that is what a guilty pleasure is nowadays is having to cope with loving Harry Potter, but not being thrilled about Rowling or, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe that's it. But yeah, what do you do with that? It's a hard question. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know what to... We, I think we've talked about this at length on the show as well, right? Like, the, the death of the author stuff in terms of, sure. like, those books... Like, I think there's a difference between enjoying the work for what it is and continuing to support that creator, right? Like, to say, like, I'm going to speak with the, the money that I have and not buy your next books mm-hmm. or not buy anything, which in a lot of cases, for Warren Ellis, for instance, like, hasn't really worked in comics in a minute. Um, and it, I don't think has any plans to. Um, if you follow some of their other stuff, like they're working or he's working on like a bunch of other things that you could choose to not support. I I choose not to support them. Um, but I don't know. It's it's really funky. Like Ellis is, an, is, a, is a good example, but like, uh, you know, like Frank Miller, I think, is also out there in terms of like a weird creator. And it's like, I love his Sin City book. I understand all the problems with it. Like, yeah. and I will fully acknowledge that those like that's a perfect example of a guilty pleasure. A book that I know is full of a lot of problematic stuff, but like I still enjoy from like a like a theme perspective or like, I don't know. This this is I this is where I'm gonna speak my piece because I do like some web comics out there that are just like dumb garbage jokes right like megan mogg is one of those kind of like guilty pleasures i love those books and i would never recommend them to anyone <laughs> um extra fabulous comics is an example the web comic strip that i read um perry perry bible fellowship which i think has a new name now <clears throat> but those are also like comics that are out there that are just kind of like dumb dick and fart jokes that i find to be very funny but like i'm never gonna be like you're gonna think this is great it's like mike you have the humor of a seven-year-old and it's like i do i do to an extent um but i also recognize like that there's some people are gonna like that some people aren't and like i'm never gonna be like here's my number one pick for you here's a whole book full of like dick and fart jokes that i think you're gonna like versus like i'll give you some of the good stuff and then eventually if i think maybe you might find this funny i'll give you i'll give you a megan mog book and go like let's let's really test the waters here you know to see if if our friendship is true um but like that's to me that is where my guilty pleasures lie of like books that i recognize like planetary transmetropolitan books that i love to death can't really recommend those to people because i don't want them unknowingly supporting someone that has like a a tarnished like state because they've done things that are like irreprehensible um irreprehensible i don't know the word uh so uh yeah i guess like it's tough because we have to like i like if you lend a copy of transmetropolitan to someone and you say like hey by the way this person is trash but this book has some pretty interesting you know insight into like journalism and sci-fi and blah blah like Maybe everything you recommend has to come with like a little asterisk like that. But um, then we kind of run into the good place problem, right? Where 
everybody is doing bad, but that's maybe a bit too into the weeds on this conversation. So no, I don't know. Because now I'm thinking about like also on my bookcase with me, I have a whole bunch of Tintin comics and tin- right. like I love Tintin comics. They're great adventure comics, but they're also like, oh, it was a different time. And I'm like, OK, that doesn't excuse the racist shit in here. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So or like, like a Lovecraft for the same kind of reason. Yeah. So sure. it's like, do yeah, I tell sure. people you should read Tintin because it was one of like the seminal comics internationally like anywhere in the 20th century and like the storytelling's really good or do i be like hey you should read this but also like i feel a little uncomfortable handing you this thing because it does maybe not so great a job of uh portraying like black and brown characters with any nuance whatsoever (laughs) yeah yeah um and then you but it's i think but does this kind of all come back to like we we don't want that reflection on ourselves to say like I don't think like you don't want to hand someone a Tintin book and go like Kara thinks that all of these depictions are a okay, <laughs> right? Because I don't think that that's the case, and hopefully someone that you're handing it to would know that about you. But again, we maybe have to like hand some of this stuff off with like a a disclaimer that like oh by the way, there's going to be some pretty rough portrayals of of people of color in this book. But outside of that, and it's hard to like justify like, a book. But the storytelling is when great. Start, yeah, and yeah. the cars are really beautifully illustrated. <laughs> it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a difficult it's a difficult line to to walk because, like you said, you don't want because you because you like Harry Potter doesn't mean necessarily that you have issue with trans rights or anything like that. You know, like it. Right. But we in this world of tribalism that we live in now, you will be put in that box just immediately. Potentially, but, yeah. Potentially, but yeah, but by people who don't know you, they will just like there is a good chance that you, they will jump to a conclusion, and I think that there is a fear of that, and therefore a, a bit of guilt about is this wrong? Should I still be enjoying that thing? But yeah, it's it's a hard question. It's a it's a it's a difficult thing. I think it's different for everybody the way that they would approach it. You know, I've got an yeah. extreme example. It's like, oh, you like Batman, so you support. A billionaire, billionaire vigilante <laughs> who <laughs> operates outside the state. <laughs> and, well, we just saw what happened with that, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, had to do it. Had to do it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a very interesting extreme example that I <laughs> I don't know if I want to go into because I have two other guilty pleasures that I I did want to talk go about on. for today. Um, and these are mostly because they're books that I really like, but I don't think are actually particularly good. But because when I read them, they were like foundational comics for me. I'm able to like look back and go, that wasn't good, but I understand why I like them and why I still kind of like them today. But again, I wouldn't necessarily say they are comics that I'd like recommend because they're so good. But again, it's this guilty pleasure sure. of like, I know it's not good, but I like it. Um, one of them being Squadron Supreme by J. Michael Straczynski. Particularly, there's a lot of J. Michael Straczynski comics that I really like that I don't think a lot of people would I would recommend to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Squadron Supreme is like a gritty, modern, dark take on the 70s era team Squadron Supreme um, by J. Michael Straczynski, where he reimagined these people in like a modern era. Um, Squadron Supreme, for those that may not know, was like Marvel's answer to the Justice League, where they came up with this alternate universe superhero team where there's a Superman, there's a one. Wonder Woman, there's a Batman, um, and a Green Lantern, and a Hawkman, if I'm not Wasn't mistaken. There a Flash too. 
Oh, a flash. That's what it was. Not a Hawkman, a flash. And so you got a, you got a speedster, you've got a rich billionaire, you've got a Superman, you've got a Wonder Woman. A rich um, but they were like, yeah, a, a rich billionaire. They're uh, a vigilante billionaire. Sure. Um, and they were really goofy. And so Straczynski says, like, let's write these modern gritty takes on these characters and introduce a new universe where they exist. And they kind of had this idea, I think, of putting out this marvel max universe of these superheroes and they did it for a minute uh eventually it crossed over with the ultimate universe which was really fun and i ate all this stuff up um i think though that this series was kind of an inspiration for the boys which is saying something because while this book is dark and gritty and has murder and sexual assault and um, all the bad things that make you know dark and gritty books bad um the boys i think took this to another level right it it takes it to the extreme and it's funny because Squadron Supreme came out in 2003. The Boys comes out in 2006. Um, and so I, I think they're kind of related. But I like this Squadron Supreme because I thought at the time when I was very early in my comics reading career um, that this was like the epitome of like modern day super gritty books. And like I wasn't reading a lot, but I was this I was reading this next to Ultimate Spider-Man. So I felt like I was getting like exact polar opposites um, <laughs> in terms of like tone and, and things like that. And to me, it was like, this is this is adult comic books. Let um, your but it was published under come out. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. I understand this is a book made for 2000 era edgelords. Yeah, no, you were <laughs> um, listing all those things that came out in 2003. And in my head, I was like. Mm, the losers came out around that time also I, like oh, do yeah. you guys remember the losers I, oh, I, mean, yeah. I love the, i've got a copy of the losers on my shelf right now are you kidding <laughs> I, I watched that movie again the other day oh, oh. my god i love that movie so much it's talk a about a guilty movie. pleasure we we got to get that on the IRCB movie club because I would love to just that scene. Danny just posted a gif. Chris Evans in the elevator. Uh-huh. Probably one of the coolest scenes in, in totally. superhero movie. Tell, or, or, I guess like comic book history, but whatever. Um, yeah. So Squadron Supreme's up there as one of those books. And I think the next one that I had as well, Spider-Man Origin, another J. J. Michael Straczynski book. <laughs> um, everyone probably has heard of this because this is the book where Spider-Man realizes that he has powers because he has a connection with a spider god. Um, and he ends up getting losing his Spider-Man powers and getting new powers from this spider god where he has the wrist release uh, you know, spider power thing that comes out of his body organically, um, plus a bunch of other weird cocoon things and all this other stuff. What? Uh, because we we had to do something gritty and different. Uh-huh. And then following this immediately is brand new day. Marvel was like, wash it out. Yep. Wash it out, JMS. It's bad. <laughs> mm. Flash. It's giving flashpoint. It's giving flashpoint. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah. So it's, but those books like, I mean, Spider-Man Origin is a book that I know gets a lot of like crap on the Internet, and I still love it, but I understand all of its problems. Just like this Squadron Supreme, I still love it, but I understand all of its problems. Um, And I think that's where we have to come to terms with a lot of these books is like knowing the problematic things and not necessarily condoning them, but like. I guess like just being able to digest that I've got, and while we still enjoy them. I've got something that fits in this category that you're oh, describing. Okay. This space that you're carving out, Mike, where you're like, understand it's bad. Still read it. Um, I read <laughs> a lot of Grimm's fairy tale comic books for a while, guys. Oh, like, uh, ooh, ooh. Those in my are... head, I was thinking Xenoscope mm, books, and I was like, Kara. No, no, they're not good. <laughs> oh, that's what I was thinking. No, no, I do not recommend them. But this is when I was like, deep into my if it's a fairy tale i want to get my hands on it and reading and i was like oh female protagonists and like as as i was like developing my understanding of 
media consumption uh, through a feminist lens, I was like, oh, right. These are like, these are written generally like by straight men for straight men for the purpose of like having uh, physically unrealistic women to be attracted to. But also it was fairy tale comics starring women who were like kind of hot. And I'm like, okay, so they're not good. I wouldn't recommend them. If I reread them now, I would probably have some very strong feelings about it. But at the time, I was like, wait, wait. Oh, these are Xenoscope books. They are Xenoscope books. They are Xenoscope. Oh, they, oh my God. Every okay. Bad I thought I was going that crazy. you were thinking is correct. These are yeah. not things I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> you should not be reading them. But also, okay. like, yeah, like they they're for a specific demographic, and I like I like the idea of a remixed fairy tale, and I wish that there was like more of that genre that was less objectifying of women. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, now whenever I'm like at a comic con and I pass the Xenoscope booth, I'm like, bye. But like, you know, <laughs> thank you for your service. Some- <laughs> Please stop what you're doing. <laughs> Some of these covers look like badly reimagined romance they're covers. really bad I, they're really bad i, I imagine oh, it's just i'm like you're halfway there you're halfway to something interesting you're halfway yeah. there and you stopped at big tits and realistic unrealistically thin waist like ah right, right. michael turner baby um <laughs> i don't know rest in peace i don't mean to despair no no but, no, no, no but ah. like that's part of it too like the the mic so interesting that you brought up michael turner because mm-hmm Batman Superman Volume 2 Supergirl is one of my favorite comics like of all time. That was that was hugely important for me. This it came out. uh, I want to say like mid 2000s. It was one of the first like big two books I read that was like happening currently from when I was reading it as opposed to like getting books out from the library and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I thought that Michael Turner's like drawings of supergirl was like the most stunning thing i've i'd ever seen in my life like i was a teenage girl around that time and so i was looking Mm -hmm. at this as like oh like on some level this is what i'm supposed to look like which nobody looks like that that's super unrealistic but like i don't know who the colorist was on that book but like there's this one like full page shot of supergirl like a close-up on her face and her like lashes are full and she's got like perfect blush and like lip gloss and i'm just like oh you're so pretty oh my god and like (laughs) but like also there were scenes where she was like walking through uh, metropolis shopping with lois lane and you could like see her thong coming out of her low-rise jeans and i was like okay now we're back to supergirl being underage and you're making like you're making the choice to draw like a midriff shirt and like a visible thong on a girl who is underage Again, su- reading stuff about Supergirl online is where I first learned the term jailbait as a teenager, which is not a term mm. that I needed to know. Thanks, Internet. Um, internet but like, yeah. that's the kind of thing where it's like, I love that book. That is not how a, like, a teen girl should have been depicted. But like, mm-hmm. for me, I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. This is so good. Now, I don't know if I'd recommend it to somebody without like going into this whole spiel that I've just shared with you. (laughs) Like, I'm going to give you a book, but it comes with a 15 minute lecture before you read it. (laughs) Watch this video that I made specifically for you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. And, you know, like Michael Turner, uh, incredible artist, but also 
I think had this exact problem like this, this every every woman that he drew was like in the is the perfect definition of the problems with the male gaze right like uh all of his witchblade covers i mean like and he's renowned as one of these people that it, like had done a lot but also this is extremely problematic right like the way that he's depicting this character in in supergirl so um yeah it's like how do you recommend a book like that that was clearly something that was very informative to you or, or formal formative for you but like it has all of these hangers on that you have to like add little notes and all this, like the annotated Supergirl <laughs> by Kara Shaborsky <laughs> is what we need. <laughs> it's like, you can appreciate this book while also understanding that this is not the proportions of a human torso. Your right, abs will right. never look like this because you right. are not on a starvation diet. And like, you know, yeah. you will never have this bone structure. So, <laughs> this, yeah. this person you, is basically a god, so <laughs> you will never be this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, this is uh, I, Zach. I don't know if you if you had anything else you wanted to bring up here. I know we've kind of like gone all over oh, the place all, with this yeah. topic, but like I kind of expected no less here. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I feel like we've hit a lot of really interesting things. I would like to dumb it down for a minute with uh, with another one of my my guilty pleasures in air quotes. Sure. If you don't mind. So the the one like at the top of my list is is Supreme. Are either of you familiar with Supreme? Uh I feel like I know the name, but I don't you are we talking about the 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 shop, the the drop shipping company or whatever? They're not drop shippers. I know, I know, I know. I also was no. thinking of Supreme the hype beast uh company because there was a, uh-huh. a visual pun reference to it in the spider-verse movie that i giggled at yeah yeah <laughs> uh, no, this is uh this is a character back at the dawn of image comics when Ry- rob liefeld started his extreme line so we're going edgelord because oh, nice. this one this is one of his many knockoff characters supreme or as i like to call him murder hobo superman <laughs> He, oh good. He's oh, he's good. got 36 biceps, pecs the size of a golden retriever, mm-hmm. and only speaks through gritted teeth. Nice. Just period. He fights <laughs> he fights aliens that look like living versions of Azrael's armor from like the Batman armor, that mm-hmm. crazy okay. 90s and cool. as well as a version of Thor who's constantly screaming, "Where's Hitler?" Oh, because he was frozen what? during no. World War II and he got loose and is mad and thinks Hitler is still alive. Oh, and, oh I thought and, you were saying, okay. "Where's Hitler?" like we're doing a thing oh, no, because no. Thor is a neo-Nazi now. And no, like, no, 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 no. He wants to kill Hitler. Okay. But, oh, and okay. he's convinced that Supreme Hooray. and he's convinced Supreme is now working with Hitler mm. and that and they fight. Okay. <laughs> and and it it okay. is, I mean, it, oh, it it is just it's a schlocky mess that makes up for its lack of story with crazy 90s art and a metric ton of violence. And and I I don't know why, but I just I love the hell out of it. And also, eventually, other people do get to write the character, like Alan Moore, who he changed Supreme completely and decided to use him as an apology letter to the world for what other things he's written. Uh-huh. He basically said that. Okay. And, he, and he turned Supreme into kind of a beacon of hope, more aligned with like Superman of the Golden Silver Ages. And and yeah, those were really cool. But but give me Supreme fighting aliens and surviving a nuke and dealing with a hostage situation by just brutally murdering the terrorist before anyone even knows he's gone like he full-on leroy jenkins he was he was teamed up with the wetworks team and the and he didn't want to but he basically he was like fine i'll go with you and they go to jfk airport and the leader of the team is like okay guys here's the plan 
We're going to go in slow and quiet. We don't want anybody to get where Supreme where guys, where did Supreme go? And then Supreme walks out and is like, I took care of it. And he like lasers <laughs> through a guy's face. <laughs> it's like that is supreme. <laughs> and for some reason, it's the only thing that I have actively collected. Like it's the only book that I have actively collected all of the issues of. Amazing. I don't know why. It's just it's ridiculous. I kind of want this guy to go on a road trip with Lobo now. Like same. Oh, vibe. I would. I would read that. <laughs> I I actually have reached out to Rob Liefeld's people a couple times because I'm like I want him on my show. I don't want to talk about Deadpool. I just want <laughs> right, to talk right. about Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, oh that's if you if you make that happen, I I would love to hear that. I, I can't <laughs> wait. Um, <laughs> that's okay. So now, okay, I did a little bit of Google searching while you were talking. Supreme has shown up a couple times in Image Comics history. Yeah, I didn't realize that this is the same character that Warren Ellis did a Supreme Blue Rose like a seven yes, issue miniseries yes, about. Right. Um, which again, amazing comic book written by Warren Ellis so you know big asterisk there yeah. uh, but yeah that's that's crazy because that is not the book that Ellis wrote at all no <laughs> uh, his is a much softer more somber book that with a lot of mystery and it sounds like Supreme is the most action-packed comic you could ever imagine adrenaline. those early issues it's all <laughs> adrenaline it, it really and it's been it's been hopped around I think Rob Liefeld like he's just hopped it around to awesome comics and image and it's you know, wherever he could get somebody to do the character. And there are a lot of iterations of it because of that, as he's let other people write it. But I just love that awful schlock 1993. Where's Hitler? You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, um, wow. All right. So yeah, we've, uh, we've gone full circle <laughs> on a lot of this. This is, this is wild. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have any any last thoughts you want to bring up? I know we could probably talk about death of the author stuff for another two or three hours, Absolutely. but um, yeah, I don't know. Any any last uh, comics that we didn't get to bring up today? I don't know if, if you guys had anything. I think I've gone through all of my my dumb dick and fart joke books as well <laughs> as like some modern gritty edge lord stuff from my past. Um, but I don't know, Kara. Anything else from you? Ooh, um, I guess the only other thing that I would consider. Maybe not like a guilty pleasure, but maybe not something that I would recommend to people just similar to what you were saying, Mike, about what I what I recommend my dumb humor books to people like I have been really, as you know, uh, last year, two years ago, I went on a Disney manga odyssey and there's a very small group of people that I'd recommend Disney manga to because like the majority of the Disney manga are like written for children which means sure. that maybe the just the plots and what's happening aren't going to be as interesting to adult readers but um that's definitely something where it's like yeah they're taking up a they're they're taking up space on my bookshelf and I'm not sorry about that <laughs> but also I don't really know many adults who would want to read uh Kalala Disney Princess maybe um maybe I'd get some of you to read Stitch and the Samurai because that's just we did right we did that yeah, i know that was fun right right but like, like maybe that but um yeah that's definitely one of those other things where i'm like mm, i like this and you might not and that's fine but also yeah. i understand this exists to make money and i bought into that literally <laughs> <laughs> what what doesn't exist just to make money though really right. like, yeah yeah you know? that's, that, that's true um <laughs> Uh, well, okay. Well, I think that probably wraps up the show. Then I, I you know, I'm glad that we we were able to revisit this. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, we went, a, a, I think, a very different direction than what I thought it was going to go. But that's, I, I'm very glad that we did. Um, well, 
Zach, I'm very excited to have you as part of the IRCB crew. I guess for folks out there who maybe want to listen to your other stuff, where can they find you on the internet? Sure. Uh, the easiest places to find me, uh, I'm on Instagram at the comics that we love or at comics and beer, uh, comics and beer pod. Yeah. At, at the comics that we love or at comics and beer pod on Instagram. Those are really the only socials that I actively take part in. I'm trying to get better sure. at Twitter. I really am. It's okay. At Z underscore Irish underscore red on Twitter. Sometimes I say things, sometimes I don't. And uh, those are the places. Twitter went down way before that submarine did. So, yeah. Well, next week, uh, we are actually beginning our month off for the summer. So, um, you don't have to hear from us uh, on a regular show, but we do have some amazing minisodes coming up. Next week, we have an interview with a comic creator that has a Kickstarter ongoing. So, listen for that. Um, plus, we've got an IRCB Movie Club episode coming uh, that's going to be really fun. Ice Cream Man Volume 8. For everyone out there that I know you listen to this podcast feed specifically for Ice Cream Man, our download numbers show it. They dip every single time we put out an episode. <laughs> Uh, and we've got a book versus book episode with Kara and Kate. Uh, that's going to be really, really fun. So look forward to those for the month of July. And we're going to be back in August. I'm going to be gone for two weeks in August. And Kara and Paul are going to be leading this whole show. It's going to be wild. Um, so look forward to that when we come back in August. But until then, um, I guess let's let's wrap things up here. You can always follow us on, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. we got our Discord, our Goodreads, our YouTube. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander has all the power of a world-shattering spirit bomb. I want to say thank you to Kara and Zach for being on the show. Thank you to everyone hanging out with us in Discord today. You're amazing. Thank you to everyone for listening this far in the episode. You're a fantastic human being. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good.